0: Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos, I'm an engineer, and I work in Silicon Valley. I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I've been calling the U.S. home for the last 20 years. When it comes to Latinos in the U.S., we are 60 million people, but we're only 3% of the workers in science or engineering. As a professional in Silicon Valley, I've had the opportunity to meet some remarkable professionals that work in the tech industry, Latinos like me. With this podcast, I want to bring you a collection of their stories and how they got a job in tech in the first place. And if they had to start all over again, what would they do differently? I want to share with you career advice on how to get a job in tech, how to deal with imposter syndrome. How to find your tribe when you're the only one in the room. This is Latinos Who Tech. This episode of Latinos Who Tech is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's premium platform for audiobooks with over 150,000 titles. If you're like me, you're passionate about learning new things, but finding the time to read may be difficult. Audiobooks are a great alternative. You can get a free 30-day trial plus a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com/latinos. Go and support them since they support us. Thank you, Pam Martinez. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Latinos Attack. Oh,
1: thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you for making time on a Saturday.
1: Yeah.
0: So maybe we can get started, and you can tell me your story. How did you get to downtown San Francisco? How uh, how did you get here to Silicon Valley?
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's see. So I was born in Mexico. I was born in uh, Paral Chihuahua um, and grew up in Juarez. So I think part of me has always, you know, I, I was like a border. I grew up around the border, so the United States was always really close to mm-hmm. me. Um, and then my family moved to the United States, to Houston, Texas, when I was nine. Um, and I went to school there. I went to high school there. I feel like I learned a lot. Um, and as I was going to college, um, I moved out here, so I moved to Silicon Valley, I went to Stanford, and that kind of exposed me to the tech world. That's not something that I knew much about or really thought about before.
0: Got it. So how do you know that you wanted to study uh, you know, programming, computer science? How do you know that uh, you wanted to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I didn't really know. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> one of those uh, you know, crisscross type of paths. When I was deciding on what college to go to, um, one of the reasons I went to Stanford was because they had really great programs and everything, (laughs) because I had no idea what it was that I wanted to do. I was like, oh, maybe engineering, maybe like political science, maybe, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like the arts. So I went to college with a pretty open mind about what I wanted to do. Um, And then in my first year of college, I took classes in a lot of different played a lot of different departments, Mm. and I took a digital photography class in the computer science department. Interesting. And that's how I got exposed to computer science. After taking that class, um, I really enjoyed it. I really liked uh, a lot of the, you know, engineering and mathematical aspects of the class. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided that I wanted to check out the intro computer science classes, and that's how I got exposed to computer science. And um, after taking that class, I realized that that was out of all of the classes that I had taken, like one of the only classes that I actually enjoyed, I really, I like would start my homework early, which didn't happen for any of my other classes. So that was kind of like a sign for me to kind of like stick with the major. Got it.
0: I love that because uh, we hear often about the idea of STEM, so mm-hmm. science, technology, engineering, mm-hmm. mathematics, but then also STEAM, yeah. so when you put arts into it. So digital photography, that's, uh, that's another avenue, right? You yeah, can get into yeah.
1: Yeah, and like growing up, I loved art. Like I really liked to draw. I liked to paint. I really liked photography. Um, but I also liked computers and math. Um, so I think that digital photography class kind of like combined everything I really enjoyed. Um, and I had never really thought of that as computer science. So that really opened up that STEAM mindset. Gotcha. That was not that wasn't as prevalent, you know. I think like yeah, ten yeah. years ago. No,
0: definitely. But
1: I'm really excited that it's a lot bigger now.
0: Mm. Can you tell me a bit about your time in, in, in Microsoft yeah. and what you did there?
1: Yeah, so after I graduated uh, college, I uh, decided to try out being a PM, mm-hmm. which is like, a, they call it program managers at Microsoft. Um, and I, so I used to work with the Kinect, I used to do research in, mm. at Stanford for a virtual reality lab. Okay. And at the virtual reality lab, we were using Microsoft Connects to do body tracking. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how I got interested in the Kinect and uh, therefore like Microsoft and Xbox. Um, So I got an internship there and then I returned there full time. Um, And then when I joined there, um, we were about to launch Xbox One. So I I joined, I was a PM for kind of like the social platform of the Xbox and kind of launched that in 2013
0: so um, fresh out of college yeah and, uh, that's, that's impressive yeah. that's amazing
1: yeah it was really cool to see and be part of like a really big company launch um because you know when you're working at a big company you have like a you have like a very solid t- deadline mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like we have to ship this thing yeah. at, like this date um, and we have
0: millions of users waiting for it right? yeah like, there's all this hype built around it
1: so. yeah there's a lot of hype and then when I joined uh there had been a lot of like Requirement changes. There was a lot that was going on at the time, so we had to like change a lot of things and like prioritize and cut things to like really make that deadline. So it was a really big learning experience for me.
0: So, how do you broke into startups? You know, at what point did you decided that, you know, like this uh, corporate, uh, big enterprise life, uh, it's not for me. Maybe I want to go try startups. Uh, I'm sure it was like a gradual thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. just one day that that <laughs> happened. But I'm wondering how, you know, when do you start thinking about maybe I should go into startup world?
1: Yeah, um, so after launching Xbox One, um, leading up to it, you know, we were, we used to say that we were the startup within Microsoft. Mm. We were like, oh, we are like the startup of Microsoft, even though Xbox was like 5,000 people. <laughs> um, That's a big startup. <laughs> it's a big startup. So I was like, oh, like, like launching things and moving quickly was something that really excited me and something mm. that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, and then I think after being a PM, I also realized that I wanted to be closer to the code. I wanted to build things. I wanted mm. to like be really you know, hands on deck, moving the ship. Um, so I decided that I wanted to kind of like leave. I was like, you know what? I want to give the startup thing a chance. Like I, had, I hadn't I had really worked at a startup at that point. Mm. So I was like, I really want to go to a small company. I want to be part of building something. I want to be part of like culture building um, instead of being somewhere where all of that was set. Um, at that time education and education technology was becoming really big yes um, and that was another field that really interested me um, i taught a class in education reform when i was in college so i was like okay you know what like i want to try out like something more mission driven mm-hmm. and i want to go to a startup so i quit my job and i like just flew back to the bay and um, i decided that i was gonna like job hunt and like prep for interviews and like look for a place where i could know really have that experience of like building something at a really small team got it
0: so which one was the lucky first one
1: yeah so clever uh, clever is a company that makes it really easy for schools to use technology and at the time they were working on kind of like an API for schools and like an API for other education companies to integrate with school data Um, so I moved to the Bay and I I mean, I honestly had no idea what I was going to do or how to get into startups. So I moved out here, and I just started messaging random people at these companies to learn about them. Mm. And I got really lucky and got invited to a happy hour at Clever, where I met a ton of people. Uh, I met a lot of the engineers there. I met a lot of. I mean, it was a thirty-person company, so you, you you meet everyone. Right. Um, and I just loved the culture. I loved their vision. I mm-hmm. really felt like everyone was really driven and motivated. Um, it was the first place I actually interviewed at. And <laughs> I remember people were like, Pam, like, you're supposed to do a lot of interview prep before you do this. But right. I was like, you know what? Like This is the place. I want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it all worked out. And it was amazing.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And I think uh, that tells you the, the power of connections, right? That mm-hmm. uh, Of actually setting out these uh, coffee chats and getting to know people. You mentioned getting invited to a happy hour Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I find that, uh, and we were talking about that uh, before recording, that once you're here, it's so much easier Mm -hmm. to get connected and, uh, oh, what are you into? E-learning? I know 30 people that do that. So I'll I'll help you get that Mm -hmm. job. So uh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a benefit of uh, kind of like being where all of the, you know, Mm-hmm. movements happening because you yep. have a lot of those connections.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like we are three blocks away from the Salesforce Tower. And <laughs> yeah. then like Slack is there, WeWork is there. Like you have all these companies around you and uh, it's almost like uh, oh yeah I wanna go there. Who do I know there? LinkedIn, final contacts at a coffee chat. And yeah. It, it's really it's really it's really impressive because uh when I was growing up in or going to college in Florida, um, you know, I always had this vision of oh yeah like Silicon Valley, everything is quicker. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was gonna be that quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it, was, it was, it was, really. So, I've been here for five years now. So, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really exciting. So, so I still, th- I, th- I think this is the right place for me because uh, it still excites me. You know mm-hmm. that the fact that uh, you get exposure to so many talented folks mm-hmm. and all the cool things we're building. So, switching gears a little bit. Uh, what so talk to me about snowball you know what problem do you want to solve Mm -hmm. Uh, what what's going on
1: yeah yeah so with snowball um my co-founders and i so we actually met through the women of color in tech community um and we really bonded over being all like first generation being women of color being women of color in tech Um, And then another really big part of it um, was we all had a a big passion for, like, financial literacy. Mm. Um, For Mm. all of us, like, I had to teach myself a lot of financial literacy and how to, like, survive in, like, the professional world. Um, And then both of my co-founders, I I guess all of us, too, like, we really bonded over, like, the student debt space. Mm -hmm. We're like, this is a really big problem. Uh, No one's really doing anything that works out there. Mm -hmm. It's, like, convoluted. People, you know. It's I think one of the biggest problems of our generation. Um, there's 1.6 trillion of like student debt in America right wow. now. Over 44 over 44 million Americans have student debt, and two thirds of that debt is held by women. So it is wow. a really big problem, especially for women. Um, so that's why we decided to get together and we're like we want to we want to like solve this problem. Um, between the three of us, we have like. A pretty varied background like I'm the technical person I've been at a lot of startups I really into engineering um, Pearl is you know she's had like over a decade of experience in finance and the finance industry she's built a lot of financial models she's worked in um, done a lot of research in the FinTech industry and then Tanya has started another company before so we realized that the three of us could really you know, have a really good shot at, like, building something that would make a big impact in people's lives. Um, So that's kind of, like, the big problem and how we got Mm -hmm. together. Uh, Yeah, and then, like, how we're doing that, I've been working on this now for, like, seven months or so. Um, So, like, built a web app that, you know, kind of, like, integrates with your student loan accounts. And we help people analyze their current situation and, like, give them advice on, like, what their options are.
0: So is it something, and uh, and again, I know Mm -hmm. that you haven't launched, so I'm not asking (laughs) you to like, oh, what does it look like? Like, uh, So I encourage people to go to the website, sign up for the waiting list, and check that out. Uh, But I'm wondering, do you want to play on that uh, YNAB space, like the money, daily money management? Or is it more like a personal capital, big picture thing, like a dashboard, like where do you want to play?
1: Yeah, I mean, so initially we were looking at and thinking about like helping people with uh, kind of how to manage their money. Um, Mm. But I think we realized that if we go and even like more niche into like, okay, like for the people who have student debt, what do you need to do? What are your options? And like be more tactical in that angle. So um, right now, like if you have student loans, like, you could change your payment structure like a lot of times the default payment structure that you're in might not be the best one so i think it's like really figuring out how, what should your right monthly payment be mm-hmm. um then there's like a lot of federal programs mm-hmm. out there like there's uh, income based repayment there's like pay there's repay so uh, figuring out which one is the right one for you can also be like a pretty difficult thing to do mm-hmm. and then the last op- big option is like should you refinance your student loans what does that even mean like how much money can you save by doing that? So we really try to analyze your student debt information uh, like help you tackle it that way, um, because that's something that we've found is like a really big pain point for people. Gotcha.
0: So is the vision that, uh, so let's say that I'm a, I'm a user, I sign up, I use the app, I love it, mm-hmm. and then I repay my loans in, the, let's say, 16 months. Then I move on, you lose me as a user, or are you ambitioning something else for uh, helping others build uh, wealth?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think over time, like we're hoping on helping you throughout your journey. Like, okay. you know, and one of the reasons we're tackling student debt is because that's oftentimes like one of the first things that you need to tackle before you can start saving and investing. Gotcha. So our, our long term version, yes, is to like kind of go beyond just the student debt. Um, so the average American has $33,000 of student debt. And it takes an average of about twenty years to pay it off. Mm. Um, so the majority of our users will probably take a little bit longer to pay it off. Gotcha. Um, I think we're like really privileged in like in tech, and like a lot of people have like really great resources to like kind of move a lot faster on that. And we try to help those people. Uh, and I think there's also like the other, you know, a very large portion of definitely, definitely. users who are going to be with us for a much longer time as they're you know going through this journey.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, I actually have a friend that, uh, and, and again, because we, we live in this bubble, right? This mm-hmm. seven by seven bubble of San Francisco. Yeah. So things behave here a little differently. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend that she actually, she went, uh, she got her MBA mm-hmm. a, at, a, at a top five school. Mm-hmm. And then she got a product manager job at Amazon. And she told me that basically her job offer was, uh, well, so how much debt do you have for from your MBA? X? okay x plus y that's your sign up bonus so again it's tech right so so companies have the luxury of doing those things Mm -hmm. uh but again you know not everybody is in that space (laughs) uh but i think that we can build technology that can help Mm -hmm. everybody
1: right yeah yeah and you know i think what you just said too it's like she you know your friend had that amazing opportunity Mm -hmm. to be able to do that um it's also a great tip for people who are looking for jobs and getting and accepting job offers to negotiate and we ask for the company to pay for their student loans mm-hmm. you know like as you were taking on a job you can be like hey like I have x and that like i'll you know you might be able to negotiate some of those offers
0: yeah
1: and get some leverage there and i think companies are starting to see that investing in employees and investing in helping them with student debt is uh, something that will increase retention, make it easier for people to stick around with them and like make their companies more, uh, more competitive. So it's something that we're seeing too in this space, a lot of innovation.
0: Interesting. Do you have any advice for, for women uh, that uh, listen to this content mm-hmm. and they're in the intersection that, uh, hey, I'm graduating college, I'm interviewing, any advice to them on how to negotiate that first uh, job offer?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we actually have a um, a blog post on our website oh, okay. uh, on like tips for negotiating. Um, and I mean, I think tip number one is always negotiate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I think always uh, plan to negotiate because the worst thing that can happen is that someone's going to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think one of the big things that we say is like as you're looking into negotiating. Um, Think about all of the different things that you can negotiate. So, we have, I think, like a step of like all of the writing down, like, okay, here's like all mm-hmm. of the aspects that you can have leverage on that you can negotiate. I think most people think of salary only. Right. Uh, but in reality, there's a lot of other things like paid time off, um, you know, like working, like flexibility with your work, mm-hmm. uh, signing bonus, or,
0: or a late start. Like, yeah. uh, oh, like in two weeks, or actually, like in four weeks. so you Mm -hmm. can take some time off for travel or uh, you know enjoy that last summer before you start working so
1: yeah yeah that yeah exactly so there's a lot of different aspects of the offer that you can negotiate stock options that's a really big one here Mm -hmm. in the bay area so writing that down understanding um what you can move and where you can move the needle is really important and then another really big one is also like knowing your worth like Mm. having a good understanding of like what is the market you know what is the market rate for like this this job position at these companies and like really understanding the market and then understanding your worth um, and then asking for more i would say is like a big part of it like going in prepared uh, Mm -hmm. can go a really long way
0: got it so check out salary.com glassdoor all those websites that
1: yes 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 there's um yeah there's like a number of resources online to find uh kind of like your salary Mm -hmm. Like what people are getting paid for your position so like leveraging those resources
0: definitely thank you for that um so what's it like being a cto
1: Mm. um so being so we're a pretty small team and like being a cto is something that i've wanted to do for a really long time and something that um, is really exciting for me Uh, there's a lot of challenges and rewards i would say uh, for me the most the the most rewarding thing is like being able to jump in and work on a pro- like some a problem that I care about a lot uh, so like being able to come in and every day building something that will make and save people a ton of money I think is like really exciting and rewarding um, like my co-founders and I like we jump in with a lot of user calls and it, it's always a really big joy to see that you know, for a lot of users, they're saving like thousands of dollars on mm-hmm. their loans. Definitely. And knowing that that's going to have like a really big impact in their lives and their financial journeys um, is by far like the most rewarding and exciting thing. And knowing that, you know, I'm the one who's like building and writing the algorithm um, is like really motivating. And like every time I do that, I'm like, okay, so now, you know, gets me excited to come into work the next day and like build and make the app even better. So, like, being able to do that. um, I think some of the things that are, you know, not as glamorous are, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you're on a small team, like, there's only, you know, you have to be very, very, like, conscious of what you're spending your time on. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, you have to prioritize uh, really ruthlessly. Like, you know, you have to say no to a lot of things. Um, You have to be very realistic about what you can build and then you have to be really thoughtful about what is actually going to move the needle Mm -hmm. so making that those calls is really tricky and really difficult um but it's something that you know you have to do with a small team Um, so i would say that's probably the hardest part you know even at the smaller companies that i've worked at i've had like a team around me so you you know you have like a lot of people to like bounce ideas off of and you know, like you always have other people so that like if the site goes down, like you have multiple people that can jump in and like kind of help and fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as a CTO, you have a lot more pressure on you to like be the one who's like on watch and like making sure that everything's always up and running.
0: Gotcha. So any any advice for folks that actually have that idea of, uh, hey, I have my corporate job, maybe in high tech, maybe in tech, maybe I'm a programmer at a Mm -hmm. smaller institution and I want to try this startup life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any advice for folks that want to do that jump that you did?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think, uh, so there's like three things that I recommend and then I can go Mm -hmm. into each one of them. I think one thing that really helped me was working at companies at various stages. Um, Another thing like a second thing I would say is like taking on leadership roles and Then the third thing would be working on side projects Hmm. So I think with the first one like being and getting exposure to different companies in different sizes was Like extremely like eye-opening So working at a big company understanding how a big company operates how you get things done how you build things at scale Uh, you know then I worked out like Clever and Seesaw both uh, high growth startups, like seeing how a company like quadruples in size, seeing mm-hmm. how a company quadruples their user base, uh, getting a lot of growth opportunities and building a lot of things really quickly. Um, was really helpful in terms of like different company sizes. Uh, taking, only taking leadership roles. Um, I think that's really prepared me and made me feel a lot more confident about what I'm doing now. Like I was an engineering manager. I was an, a tech lead. Mm. Um, I led, I've like led different things with my extracurriculars. Um, you know, if you don't have one of those positions in your job or you're not interested in doing that in your job, you can often do that outside of work. So um, I worked with a nonprofit called Y and I was part of their alumni board. Mm. So I got to help that nonprofit grow, and like I was part of it when they hired like more full time staff. I like
0: helped. What did they do?
1: So YCor is a nonprofit here in San Francisco and the Bay, and they connect and help people uh, become like leaders in their community. Mm. So if you're interested in joining, for example, you can become a project lead, and then YCor helps you work with a non another nonprofit and like work on a three-month-long project.
0: Awesome.
1: And you can use like kind of like your skill set and like to work with a nonprofit. Got Um, it. Yeah. So they're um, an organization that has grown over the last four to five years and it's been really exciting to see that trajectory and growth and I think I've me being involved in that um, was really rewarding but also like really um, I feel like I developed a lot of professional skills too
0: yeah, I think so and, and it's always uh, it's always nice to find that uh, uh, outlet of mm-hmm. energy and that way to give back mm-hmm. it's like uh, we have our tech jobs by day but yes. then we have our volunteering so like I have a chef, I do the the podcast. And so we all have our side thing mm-hmm. that, uh, again, it can be something for, it can be a, an act of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you don't need to like, be paid for it necessarily. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it's just a way of using these skills and mm-hmm. maybe playing in another space. Exactly. Maybe I want yeah. to try to be a project manager. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You are better off trying that at a non-for-profit mm-hmm. and seeing if you like it mm-hmm. rather than, Trying to apply for a job and then what happens if you don't like it?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and you know, and I think that's where like side projects and side hustles and these other things like give you opportunities to try things with a slightly different like stake. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to come in um, and feel like you need to get it right or perfect the first time. Like, you, you have more opportunities to, like, try things out, see if you like them, like, learn and grow and fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when you're ready, you can, like, really kill it when you're doing it. You know, like, you going at work and you're like, I'm going to be a tech lead now. I'm going to be a manager. Like, you've mm-hmm. already led a lot of meetings before because you were doing that, you know, in a right. different way. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, and I find that uh, there's this uh, experience gap Mm-hmm. uh and again like we are in a different part of our careers you know because we have experience mm-hmm. and we, but when i talk with uh, folks that are students and they want to transition to that uh, first internship or mm-hmm. their first full-time job there's that experience gap of hey ugo pam, um, mm-hmm. i don't have anything to put in my resume really think harder <laughs> like uh well you know like i i babysit on the weekends and uh Put that down yeah. because that, that needs time management. You need to, that needs uh, customer service. You need yeah. to actually talk with people. You need to, you're responsible for somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you mentioned non-for-profit. So, uh, so a chef, uh, I always encourage uh, folks that are in college, they have mm-hmm. a chef chapter to join it. Mm-hmm. And then if they're interested, make chef their internship. So if you're interested in photography, uh, you can become the historian, and take pictures yeah. of all the events. If you're interested more in technical stuff, mm-hmm. then you can actually run side projects with mm-hmm. the with the organization.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's a uh, it's interesting. I mean, there's all these opportunities around us,
1: right? Yes. Yeah, that's great advice. I think you know, taking on additional roles mm-hmm. with like. You know groups and you know like Shop is a great one I was part of Shop too when I was in college um, mm-hmm. so like finding those opportunities um, will really help you get that next job
0: nice well, thank you for sharing that uh, and then the, we talk about your current startup and uh, what you want to build I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about something that uh, uh, affects a lot of us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, so imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. because, uh, and uh, and we've spoken about it in, in this space in the past, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm wondering, how do you cope with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, like any advice for folks that are struggling with it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, so imposter syndrome, I think that's something that I've had to deal with my entire life, you know, I think from moving here, Being an immigrant here, I feel like I always felt like an imposter in school. And then Latina,
0: technical, CTO.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like no matter how you cut it, like immigrant Latina, Mm -hmm. CTO, computer science, uh, you know, it's just like in so many different ways, I feel like I don't fit the mold. Um, You know, I think we were talking earlier that like less than 2% of like workers in high tech are women, I mean, Latinas. And then less than 2% of venture capital funding goes to women. And, like, I think it's less than 0.2% goes to, like, women of color, Mm. VC funding. So it's it's really hard out there for, I would say, like, underrepresented minorities. Um, So, you know, I think on the imposter syndrome side, um, it's something that I've had to deal with my entire life. And something that really helps me is... I guess there's two things. One Mm -hmm. is like really looking back at my accomplishments and looking Mm -hmm. at how I've overcome challenges in the past. You know, like that can really be a source of strength. You know, as I'm tackling on a new challenge, I don't look at it as like, oh, like now I'm an imposter here. Right. I try to look at it as like, you know, I graduated with a CS degree, blah, blah, blah. I was able to do that and that was really hard, but I succeeded, you know, as I take on a new challenge, I'm like, okay, well, I, if I was able to do that, I can do this. Yeah. You know, it's like, I have these.
0: Go to your class, look at your Stanford diploma. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, like, it's right there. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, it's like just going back and, like, reflecting on all of these things that, you know, you've been through. And I think all of us have that. Like, Mm -hmm. we can all look back and, you know, think about, like, all of the difficult times that we've had and how we've overcome those things and how we've been able to find success. Mm. So that's like a really powerful motivator. It's like looking back and like thinking about like how we really have that career and we really have that persistence and that ability to move forward. Um, And then the second thing I would say is like really have like a community and a support network around you. Um, You know, like have like family, friends, mentors, people. There's a lot of people in our lives that want to see us succeed and people who, you know, who are like vouching for us and like thinking about us and care about us. I think that it's always like a really nice reminder mm-hmm. and like a way for you to remember that, hey, no, you know, I belong here. I'm not an imposter. Um, I think for me, uh, when I first became a manager, I I think I had, like I messaged a lot of my old managers and one of them was like, yes, Pam, like I believe in you. I know you can do this. Like. This is something that I've always seen you be able to do, and like those words of like support and encouragement, I think can go a long way and really help you fight back that feeling of okay, I'm not good enough or I can't do it.
0: Gotcha. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, how do you stay up to date on technical stuff? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, like, I'm sure like you code every day, Mm -hmm. but I wonder uh, when you want to learn something new. How do you go about that? How do you tackle that? Like uh, you have a new framework or a new anything technical? How do you tackle that?
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, Google is my best friend. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Um, There's a lot of amazing resources out there. I think it depends. Over time, I feel like I found go to places for different things. Mm. Uh, Like if it's like, for example, I you know being starting something from scratch or starting something brand new, I had to learn about. Like AWS and the cloud, and um, for that I there's like a really great resource called like uh, Cloud Guru, uh, mm-hmm. with like videos that kind of like really cover like really deep technical topics, uh, especially around like databases and security, which are things that are really important for what I do. Uh, I think when it comes to like some of these other new trends, uh, you there's like a lot of really great Medium articles, um, so I'm constantly kind of like looking at like web frameworks and like kind of like following what's going on uh and then the last one i would say is twitter twitter <laughs> there's uh a lot of really great resources for like startups on on twitter yeah. like- any
0: any accounts you follow that that you like go to that uh, that keep popping in your feed or because uh, i wanted to ask you like any influencers you follow mm. any any mm-hmm. any folks that inspire you doesn't have to be technical but like people that uh that influences mm-hmm. that you follow
1: yeah, yeah. So let me think of some people. Uh, like Tracy Shao is someone I follow. Okay. Um, so she posts a lot of stuff about like, being a woman, women in, in tech. She's also a founder. Um, so I follow her and I follow a lot of other people who are in that space. Um, I follow a lot of people who are part of like the diversity and inclusion community mm. um, in tech. I find that there's a lot of great technical people there. Uh, and then... Uh, majors something majors she's also someone that i follow Gotcha. uh, charity majors Mm -hmm. who's like another technical uh, manager Uh, she also has a great blog so i follow her blog as well
0: awesome so you know so i'm sure that you know your schedule is super packed every week uh you know you have this product you want to ship you have the again your action items you you have to lead people Um, how do you Manage your time. You know, how do you? Are there things that? I mean, let's say that it's Sunday. Like, how mm-hmm. do you plan your week mm-hmm. ahead? Is there? You have a system? Mm-hmm. Uh, any tips for people that yeah. want to get better at that?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that um, I wish I knew <laughs> earlier, and something that I wish I had been able to like learn, you know, like ten years ago, is uh, really like about time management. Um, I feel like a lot of times you hear that, like, you just need to work harder, like, to get ahead. Like, I feel like there's a lot of focus on, like, put in more hours, persistence, Mm -hmm. work. Uh, But I think over time, I've learned that it's a lot more about, you know, having a good work-life balance. Like, Mm -hmm. I can be more productive if I'm more intentional about, you know, when I'm working, I'm working. When I'm not working, I'm not working. Like, Mm -hmm. having, uh, like, a really good balance between, like, your work, mental health, uh, and physical health has really helped me be more productive like sleeping like sleep is so incredibly important It's huge.
0: Too. It's huge. Yeah,
1: um, and then I think when, when I really learned how to manage my time was when I started taking on more things Like when I joined a nonprofit and started working with this nonprofit after work I was putting in like four to five hours outside of work a week mm. on top of this wow. so it was like a rude awakening of like, okay, like how do I manage my time and how do I how do I find time to do this and I think something that I learned then was that we all have we, we can't have the time if we're like thoughtful and intentional um, in terms of more tactical things. Um, I'm a bullet journaler nice. <laughs> it's something that uh, yeah but like
0: for the audio people I wish you could so- see this like it's a beautiful spread that I have here of like all the notes and everything It's <laughs> just yeah. gorgeous I um, love
1: thank it thank you yeah I, I like I love being organized and I love journals and I love like writing down and like thinking about and planning my week mm. and month and year yes <laughs> so uh it's it's something that I've done for a really long time and I think The most important thing is not really that you have, like, a beautiful spread or, like, you know, amazing to-do list. I think it's more about, like, really thinking about, like, what are the most important things that I want to accomplish this week? So I go through this every week, like, every, like, Monday morning. I'm like, okay, what are the most important things that I need to get done? Uh, Because at the end of the day, like what really matters are those important things. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the little things, like you don't, you don't really, they're not going to move the needle in your life or yeah. your work necessarily, but I think really focusing on like, how do I, what are the things that I want to accomplish and then everything else will fall in place.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, startup life, work-life balance, being a Latina in tech, uh, anything else you'd like to, to add?
1: Um, I think something that I think is really important for all of us is, like, as we are, you know, this is, it's like a hard world out there, you know, in a way, but it's not impossible. I think there's a lot of really great and amazing success stories. Um, and, and, you know, if you listen to some of other the other Ugo podcasts, <laughs> you'll, you. you're you're listening to a lot of these success stories. Um, I think something that I always remind myself and, like, try to remind other people is as we are, like, moving you know, ahead and as we're succeeding to, like, bring other people along, you know, like ex- like extend your hand and help your like community and help other people move up with you. Uh, because I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to change, uh, you know, the face of Silicon Valley. And I think that's how we're going to be able to really, you know, make an impact and make really exciting and amazing products and have a more inclusive ecosystem is if we all kind of like jump in and help each other and help other people around us. Um, and I don't think you need to be, you know, like, uh, you know, five years into your career to do that. I think mm-hmm. this is something that anyone can do. Like, if you're in college, you can help people as they're applying to college. If you're in your first job, you can give tips to, you know, college students who are looking for their first job. Um, so I think there's always different ways that you can, like, kind of like keep pulling people up alongside of you. Um, because at the end of the day, like, it's not an impossible path. I think it's it's definitely doable, and we can get really far. Um, but I think having that support and that community and having someone who can show you, you know, the roadmap can go a really long way.
0: Definitely. Oh, drops mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much.